beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody what's going on this is Nubia and I'm Francis and we have a terrific show for y'all today let me tell y'all we got Claire Soares the CEO and founder of Up in the Air Life a luxury tour company based out of Washington DC and Claire be putting it down do you epic. understand epic <laughs> your trips Thank are you. epic Okay, so Claire, say hello to our listeners. Hi, nice to meet everybody. (laughs) Claire, we're so happy to have you here. Tell us a little bit how it all got started for you. Uh, What most people didn't know is I was actually working a full-time job as a sales executive for a big software company for about five years. And at night and at lunchtime, basically on the weekends, building up up in the air life. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So literally, like one of the things for entrepreneurs is that, you know, at a certain point when you're doing your hustle as a side hustle, you get to the point where it's time to be to move into a full time hustle. And so I kind of reached that point probably mid 2016. But at that point, I didn't feel like, you know, we had enough revenue to actually like the move. So uh, what happened was last year, earlier in January of 2018, I actually made the mega yacht Croatia trip come to life. And on that one trip alone, we basically matched all of our revenue for the prior year because we ended up selling out three weeks, literally in a couple days. So yeah, yeah, it was great. But like, honestly, like I got to the point where I was very unfulfilled in my full-time job. And I, and I know that as I've been sharing my story, that's something that a lot of people have, you know, shared that they also experienced where, you know, I experienced like low key depression where, you know, it was really hard for me to get up. I really felt unmotivated in the workplace post Trump. It's just been very stressful from a lot of different situations with coworkers having Trump signs and then actually seeing some of the things that's been happening for years, whether it be like discrimination and different things like that, and actually realizing like people who you thought were your friends or you thought had your back when you're like denied promotions and you see people that aren't even like pushing the same volume as you get promoted. Those things like really, really brought me down. And then I just hit a point where I actually didn't work three months last year. I uh, was out due to stress and I just took some time to myself. And the interesting thing that I tell myself and I tell everybody, when you take a break, I think the immediate action is you feel like, oh my God, I'm unproductive. But I tell people, when's the last time you ever took three weeks off and didn't work? For most people, we can't even remember ever taking three weeks off since like high school or maybe college break. And even college break, we had a job. So after the first month of being off, it definitely was a great self-exploration period to really take time and figure out what I wanted out of life and really take time. I spent most of that time with my parents. They loved it. (laughs) So they loved it. 
It was nice. It was really nice. And it was nice to spend that time with them. But it really just brought me back to the beginning of thinking about, you know, being where I came from in that house every day and really sleeping a lot. I was really uh, burnt out, but it really gave me a chance to figure out life. And I had decided while I was out that May 15th, 2018 was the date. That was it. And... That was it. So I wasn't ready. But on that came back from vacation, I think in February and I had like two weeks to go and I came back on that Monday and I did it. And it felt like, you know, before I did it, I blogged about it. I cried in bed for like a little over an hour just thinking about canceling my leaf. I had my lease at my apartment. I was living in Oakland, California for about 16 months before I quit my job and left. And when I was in Oakland, I built this really luxurious life by the waterfront. And I was like, oh, my God, like I'm giving all this up. Am I going to be like poor? Like what's going to happen to me? And then I just realized, you know what? Like everything's going to be okay. And it's going to be okay. Up, because you're right. It is everyone's story. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are unhappy at work, but they're afraid if they can even make that like mm-hmm. right. to leave a mm-hmm. place because of what we believe is stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what I would say to that is for me, like, I don't have any children. But for me, I got to the point where I was like, worst case scenario, I'll live with mom and dad. And when I was okay with that, I spoke with them about it six months out. And I said, how would you feel if I said, I might need to live with you for a little bit for like a year. I said, I don't want that to happen. But that might happen because I'm about to take some risks. And they were like, is everything okay? And I said, yeah. And I said, so I need to know as I plan my budget, how much will you charge me to stay back in your home, mom and dad? And they said, well, we'll let you know. The next day they came back and said, we won't charge you. We'll be happy to have you. You know, what I tell people is you always can go back home. You know, I really feel it's an American thing that we really rush to be out on our own at such a young age. Because if you look at other cultures, they very much stay home. They very much stack their cash. And we're very much trying to race to get out of the apartment. But what we don't realize is we're racing to get out of the apartment. We're not building up any savings when the reality is if you start saving when you're 18 and you start investing in some type of, you know, investment account, you literally could retire in 20 years based on compound interest and a lot of other things. But, you know, we're not taught that we're not thinking that. So, you know, what I tell the people is you could start over. You may have to give up your life and stay with somebody. And that's probably the best bet, maybe for temporarily while you go into that thing that gives you more life and passion. Yeah, but like you said, we're not taught that. I mean, no, especially if you're in your late 30s, like financial wealth wasn't taught to us. You know what I no. mean? It was like you go, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a job and that's it. Yep. It's very much. And I think it's just led to a to us, generally people in color being in situations where you're not that happy. And I think growing up in America, you know, there's a great American dream that we all strive to. Well, I hit the American dream in my 20s. I owned a house. I had a great job well over six years, you know, and it was cool. But I was working every day. I couldn't really do a lot of the things. I mean, I had a lot of free time, so I was still traveling and things like that. But over time, I began to feel like I was not appreciated in the workplace. I began to have anxiety and panic attacks when I would have team meetings. I started to feel out of place. And, you know, fast forward after I quit my job in March, I moved to Mexico in May of this year. And so I spend most of my time here in Mexico outside of having to travel for work. And it's really the first time that I've ever stayed put anywhere. When I was in the States, I was never at home longer than 10 days. Here, I'm here a month. A month at a time is 
is like my max. But still, the thing that I've learned after I was here for two weeks is nobody's teaching people of color that, hey, you can actually grow up in the States, get your degree or acquire your skill set and then go abroad and literally work online. And what I estimated is to live the same luxurious lifestyle in Mexico, it only costs maybe like 40 to 50,000 here. And that's like a high end. I'm going out to eat bottle service sometimes. And you can live way cheaper than that if you go on the low. Yeah. You know, we always, and we stress it so much that the quality of life beats everything. And you won't know Mm -hmm. that quality of life until you actually step away to what you are comfortable with, what you're familiar with, because you're right. I mean, I always think about, because I teach at a physical school, oh, wow, I always okay. think about some some of the teachers in the States, oh my God, the perks that they would get if they would just come and work abroad just for like a year or two. And then if they want to go back home, how much savings, they, they could be debt-free. There's lots of teachers who move abroad and become debt-free as a result of the perks. What do you think is stopping people from do that? Like the people that you talk to? Yeah. It's just fear. Yeah. Uncertainty. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's Uncertainty. all about fear. Uh-huh. And, and one of the things that we appreciate about travel is that it allows you to be comfortable with uncertainty. Like you just, uh-huh. over time, you're just okay with it. You really are. Yeah. Like that OT Genesis song, it's really like, push it, push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. <laughs> like, when you're, t- <laughs> when you're, tra- I mean, there's other, <laughs> that's my thing song well, right let's now. Let's really talk about that though, because yes, it is fearful to do something that is unfamiliar, that is uncertain, that you're just not aware of what might just happen. Now, it's funny because people see, our social media, right? Our Instagram and, oh, Claire's putting together these beautiful, epic trips. But it's not all peaches and cream all the time. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? So people have to understand that being an entrepreneur is great, but there's so many sleepless nights, so many long nights. Just like, you know, you said earlier, he's like, I was up till Mm -hmm. five something in the morning because you're constantly putting into your business. And there's a lot of stress because you have to make sure you're going to make mm-hmm. that revenue, you know, to be able to continue to be an entrepreneur, be able to create good content and get it out. And all it's just a lot. It comes down to what price are you willing to pay? And what it seems like to us is like your freedom and your quality of life is way yeah. than anything else. Even if you are staying up well, till 5 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, I will say I don't stay up till 5 o'clock in the morning that much. We're getting ready to launch about 30 trips. So some of the new people I hire are all over the world. I really make it a point to try to work with younger people that also match our demographic. Like our website manager lives in Nigeria. We also have a man in Sri Lanka and India that also helps us with website graphics. We've also got a local graphics person working in L.A. Because I like to keep my Americans full that want to work with us and give them. We have a single mom that holds down our operations and she's in Delaware. And to work with all the time zones, sometimes I got to stay up until like one in the morning to make sure I give them the work. And then when I wake up at nine, voila, it's done. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, like it's it's pretty dope to have some team abroad, but also it's dope for me to have people on my team that are also like me, Black American, that work for me, that they are experiencing opportunity to host these trips that are they're very passionate about that they wouldn't with a normal company because a normal company would be like you got to work like six weeks a year. That's not reasonable. So it really gives me excitement to see the passion like in most of my team members to be able to do this and also for them to see the transition in them being a part of the company, watching me move, watching other people quit their job and start to tap in to what they want to do and start that whole cycle for themselves, which is also inspiring. And you know who we had on the show not too long ago yeah. <laughs> was Richard, the yes. Nomad. So and I know places. you were one yeah. of his mentors. <laughs> so it was great to have him on and see. And he just recently became. Yeah, Rich is dope. So we'll just, <laughs> yeah, he is. But this is beautiful to sit here and really see all of this evolve. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you with that. So we're curious, how and when did you fall in love with travel? Oh, man. So I fell in love with travel, I would say, when I was in high school. I was class president and planned my senior class trip to Six Flags, New Jersey, and we were in Virginia. And then ever since then, like, I was always the person organizing trips in college, like weekend trips to Penn State, because I started out at University of Pittsburgh. So we would go to Penn State, we would go to Virginia Beach. And that just kind of stuck with me. I was always that person that was like the planner. And when I got into a travel group about five years ago, me and another gentleman on my team, we was hosting like, hey, let's meet up in Paris to go to see the concert. And we noticed like people were following. They were coming like 20 deep. And so I knew I loved travel when I went by myself too. I went to Paris for the first time. And I remember walking around Montparnasse, not being able to speak the language and just really trying to fuddling my way and smelling my way and eating my way through Paris. I realized solo travel is very important because there's a lot of self-discovery. And I also realized I actually don't get to travel solo that much anymore, but I make it a point to at least have a few days solo. But when you're traveling solo, it makes things come up inside you that you're battling. So I always feel like one day, two or three of solo traveling, when you have that quietness to yourself, you know, whatever you're feeling, and it's a good time to journal, it's a good time to think out loud, and just kind of think about the emotions that you are having to kind of work them out. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Yeah, we love that because we talk about that all the time because what happens is when you're in your own country and you're in the hustle and bustle, you don't have a chance to Mm -hmm. kind of step away and say, hey, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Where is all this going? Where is all this taking me? When you're Mm -hmm. abroad solo, yeah, you've got nothing (laughs) to do but sit there with yourself. (laughs) And a lot of things come out of that. Beautiful things come out of that. Yeah, it's super dope. Oh, yeah. You definitely dig through the soot at the same time. And I think that's that's a little fearful as well, because when you start, when your eyes start opening up, you're like, oh, snap. You really start acknowledging, you know, mm-hmm. more about yourself. Good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the most beautiful part of it is you start realizing your worth. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're like, yo, I can do this. You yeah. know, like it really does. 
it's like a self-motivation. It's dope. I don't know. You I feel more confident, I think, you know, because in, you know, back in the States, you don't have to think about where you're going, what you're doing. When you're abroad, you like you said, okay, I don't know how to speak the language. So now I have to really sit mm-hmm. and try to navigate this whole situation. <laughs> you don't have to do that if you're in the States. You know, everybody speaks English and you just keep moving. <laughs> But here you got you have a lot of hiccups and you got to like, OK, all right. How do I figure this? Oh, out? yeah. yeah. Sort of when thing. I was in Bali last month, the earthquake happened when my phone was dead. And so we had just moved to another. We moved from our hotel to a villa. I had everything on my cell phone. So I literally had no way to contact my friends after the earthquake to see if they were OK. I didn't even know where we were going. So that was like a whole challenge of how do I charge my cell phone in a place that doesn't really have like computer stores. So I ended up finding a guy on the street that was selling an iPhone charger after an hour of walking around aimlessly who was able to charge my phone. And then once I charged my phone, I ordered a taxi and then I got in touch with my friend to get him to send me his location and WhatsApp so I could get to the house we were staying at. Crazy. Well, that that kind of leads into like, (laughs) so what has been your greatest high and your lowest low? Oh, man. Oh, man. Greatest high. There's so many. I think that my latest greatest high was definitely Malaysia. So we have a super luxury trip to Langawi, Malaysia that we uh, partner with the Hotel Whisper to create. And it's this trip where you're spending like four nights at the St. Regis in Langawi, Malaysia, which is like, first of all, it's on the beach. It's absolutely gorgeous. The hotel features like full programming, a butler, an amazing spa. And so I was testing out like everything that we're offering on the trip, which is like a five hour massage. We're doing like bourbon and bonfire. And it was really good. I went with one other, my team members, and it was interesting. It was his first time at a St. Regis. And he was kind of like, yeah, like, I think it's cool, but I don't really get, you know, but it was cool after like he stayed there the first day, like the next day, we actually had to switch to the West End. And then he texted me. He was like, yo, I get it. It's totally different. Like I, he's like, I appreciate, I can't get, cause we checked back into the St. Regis. He's like, I can't wait to get the Butler. I already know what I'm going to ask him to do. So that was like the epiphany that I was like, yes. Cause that's what up in your life is all about. Those highlights showing people things that they never experienced. Not really sure if they like it, but they're like, oh, that looks cool. I'll try it. But really showing them other things to do which in my case is luxury. That's what I was exposed to. So that was my high. My low, I'd have to say my recent low was definitely in Bali. I was there with my team for our president's trip, which I take the top performers on a vacation. And at the end of the trip, we wanted to go to the Gili Islands. That's actually where the earthquake was happening. And so the day before the earthquake, they wanted to go there. And for whatever reason, well, the reason is my spirit told me not to. And so I said, I'm not going. And so some people were not, you know, it was kind of hard because everybody, we wanted to be together, but I was like, I can't go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay here. I'll see you guys when I get back. And they were like, okay. So they were leaving the next day. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I was going to just hang by myself and maybe Ubud or something. It just so happened when they were trying to go that morning, the ferries were closed because, you know, the sea was acting up. And that night is when the earthquake actually hit. We all decided to stay. So I'm glad that everyone stayed. But after the earthquake, I was by myself and I was getting a foot massage. I was kind of falling asleep. And I remember the look on everybody's face and they were terrified and screaming 
But I couldn't really like it happened. It was so surreal. I don't really remember. I just remember everyone looking outside and I thought a car was going to actually come into the building or something because they were looking like, oh, my God. And then I looked and I saw the whole wires on the street street poles shaking hard. And then we ran outside and I remember feeling totally helpless at that moment and then thinking like I need to leave. And so, you know, when I finally connected with my friends, I was adamant that I wanted to get out of there that night or that morning. And so it was hard because my friends were just, they didn't experience the earthquake like I did. And so I think some people were like sleeping. Some people were like, oh, you know, kind of shake. But to experience the locals scream, cry, and people on the street and actually feel the ground moving, thinking that something was going to collapse, that was a huge low spot. And that was scary. I've never experienced that before in my life, any kind of natural disaster. There were. The first one was like 6.9 in Lombok and we felt it. It was 20 seconds. So it was kind of scary. If you were asleep, you probably would have maybe not felt it, but it was scary. And actually hundreds of people actually died in the center. Yeah, we actually left Bali about two days later, but it was a low just because I was just on edge on for the earthquakes. You know, there were several aftershocks and I just felt uncomfortable. You know, when you travel, I'm thinking this is a vacation. You know, it was one of my vacations. Like I wasn't working. The trip was over at that point. And so I was supposed to be relaxed, but I was on tense. I was having anxiety. You know, I was just really nervous. I kept my shoes by the door. I made sure I was never completely naked. Like, it was just like a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it it's definitely can be traumatizing. It's something you've never experienced before, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Claire, what inspires you most about travel? So the thing that inspires me most about travel is definitely seeing beautiful things. I am a very visual person. So when I even when I create the trips, when I take people to restaurants, I'm thinking about how do I really tantalize all your senses at the same time. So anywhere I go when I travel, I want to see something beautiful. I want to hear really great things and I want to taste really good food. And so Cartagena, sitting in one of the squares in Cartagena, Colombia, you can hear the horses trot the old streets when you're in the uh, the I forget the, in the walled city, and you can see like the people dancing, all types of stuff. You eat really great food, inexpensive food at local shops, some more gourmet dining. And so I always love to see beautiful places, whether it's mountainsides, you know, in Chitsen Itza. So I thrive in like open air where I can like hear, see, touch, all those kind of things. That's what's up. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. We live in Thailand in a major city, but when we get out of the city, oh my gosh, it's like I always, I'm like on my bike and I'm just like, this is, <laughs> this is Thailand. Like, yeah. This is why I'm here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Open here, you see yourself like surrounded by 360 mountains and it's just mm-hmm. gorgeous rice paddy fields or whatever. And you're just like, this is what it's about. So mm-hmm. You guys feel like this, but I always feel like the skies just open up abroad. I don't know. I don't know. When I was in Japan mm-hmm. and looking at the clouds and even here, I'm just like the sky just feels so massively beautiful. I don't know. What do you it think? does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it all depends on where you come from too. Because if you're mm-hmm. on the East Coast, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's true. You get a little bit of that. You get a little bit more overcast skies and winter weather and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I recently posted on Facebook, like, where can I go live that has spring all the time? And people are like, California. <laughs> Out of the States. <laughs> and so it depends on where you are. And Mexico, where I am. It's like nice here year round. That's right. 
Yeah, well, Mexico is not small, so it depends on where you are in Mexico. But I think I've <laughs> narrowed it down. I'm heading to Colombia. Oh, I love Colombia. Cartagena is a place near and dear to my heart. It was somewhere that I wanted to move to for at least like three months, for sure. Mm-hmm. Is it still on your list? Um, probably not. <laughs> so, like, I will say for people that are looking to move abroad, and I probably make a blog post about it. The, one of the reasons I pick Mexico is because it's close to the states. So I get the advantage of living somewhere where it's very inexpensive. But I'm an hour from Miami, so I'm going to actually go to Miami tomorrow to go pick up some stuff from my box, and I'll come right back home the same day. So Mexico, to me, has a good advantage because I can learn Spanish, which is a really valuable language to learn. But also, they speak English here, so you can pretty much not be a fish out of water. But if you want to be fluent, which I do, I speak Spanish every day. I take classes. And so it provides a great mix of the two, but not totally throwing you off the cliff. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love how you put that because I didn't uh-huh. think about it that way. One of my girlfriends uh-huh. is in Mexico and she's just trying to recruit all the black people to get to Mexico. <laughs> and, Me too. But for you to even say that it's an hour flight outside of Miami or just for you to get to the States, that's a huge uh-huh. advantage huge for a advantage, lot of people, yeah. especially when they want uh-huh. to be close to family and friends. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, just- definitely, definitely. And you could stay here for six months without a visa. So it makes that whole process oh easy coming in and out. Ain't nothing like Thailand, no, girl. Thailand's like, get out. <laughs> Every 30 days. Get out. Oh, wow. Just telling Francis, like, okay, I got to be gone in the next few weeks. Where am I going? I was like, I guess I'll go to Malaysia and come back. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pain in that. Wow. Well, have you thought about getting your residency? Because that's what I'm working on right now is getting my residency in Mexico to be official. So Thailand doesn't work like that. No. Okay. If you're a foreigner, you will always be a foreigner. That's just Oh, wow. Okay. They don't want you to... Like, I have a Thai driver's license. We have a Thai house. But they just like, "Mm mm-mm, you're still a tourist. So how long do you have (laughs) to There's different visas that you can do. Okay. There's different, like, you can do educational visas, you can do all the stuff, mm-hmm. but you still have to, like, go out. You know, you can't It doesn't just, matter. You still have matter. to leave. Yeah. Wow. It just means maybe a little longer. Instead of it 30 days, maybe it's 90 days. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> That's okay. That's interesting to know. Yeah, it's not very <laughs> convenient, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah. it's It's not the most convenient. <laughs> yeah. But, so tell mm-hmm. our listeners, how did Up in the Air Life come to be? Ah, okay. So, Up in the Air Life came to be because, I think it's around... 2008, nine, I was in like various travel groups and I was traveling. And one thing I noticed is that none of the travel groups were really looking to do anything like more upscale or luxury. Most of the travel groups were really focused on budget, which is cool for everyone getting started. It really breaks down barriers. But when I went on a trip to Dubai and India with my friends, my friend had chartered a plane, a private plane for us to fly over Dubai. And I noticed nobody flinched at paying 200 bucks to get on the plane. And it was a whole plane full of brothers and sisters. And we was chilling. I still got the video. And I remember that was the moment that I said people want this just no one's offering it so from there someone had asked me to plan a yacht week trip to Croatia and that's where up in the air life was birthed on planning that yachting trip and then from there I've just been pushing the envelope even further to provide even more like crazy luxurious trips from the mega yacht we got the mega yacht locked in for a whole month which I'm super excited about the yachting company was like what what do you mean like you're chartering the boat for four weeks (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> but yeah, basically, we, you know, it's going to be a lot of brown sugar coming up in that bowl. We got a lot of surprises. You know, I wake up thinking of new ideas and new ways to, you know, really uh, treat people well. And so, yeah, so from that, wanting to provide luxury. And then number two is realizing in my corporate life, working at a major software company in sales, we did a lot of extravagant things from our president's club strips. And so having that type of money, I really afforded myself to do pretty much almost anything I wanted to do. And so I was having a lot of these amazing experiences. I was at these nice hotels and I was very interested in things like Kentucky Derby. I was interested in going to the world's largest pool. So I was interested in things that people would typically say aren't black or aren't this. But I realized that it's not that it's not black. It's just that we don't have access to yachts. Our parents don't own boats. We don't grow up on a boat. Our dad didn't teach us how to boat, how to um, drive the boat. And so I view up in the air life is breaking stereotypes too, giving people access to say, hey, we're going to sponsor a yachting trip. We're going to make it affordable because it's not really expensive to yacht. And then people can decide if they like it and maybe do it on their own. So my hope is to break stereotypes stereotypes, introduce people to new things. And then my last uh, reason is really to inspire people. I really want to inspire all people, specifically Black women who are feeling unappreciated. You're feeling like you're not sure what you want to do. Like, I really want to inspire them that anything is possible and you can do it. Like you just, in that everything you need to move forward, you already have. So really that inspiration is also for my personal brand to um, inspire people and help them to get to where they need. Love it. Uh, it's very powerful. Thank you. So where do you find inspiration for your trips? I know you say you, you ah. say kind of think like. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting, the way that Up in Your Life works is I only plan trips I love. So I don't plan trips because I think it's going to make a lot of money. So like places that I'm not too excited, unless I'm excited about it, like, yes, I don't plan. So every trip that we have is either planned by myself or it's planned by a team member. So like our trip Champagne Life is planned by Julia Coney, who is a wine sommelier and expert. And so that's the first of our food and wine trips to a whole collection of trips that she's planning. And so she loves wine. So on that trip, there's an educational aspect where she gets to share that with other people. Rashid Dennis, who also lives in Mexico as well, he's my best friend. He's curated more trips than anyone outside of myself. So the Brazil trip, he used to live in Brazil. He's been there over a hundred times. So that carnival trip we do to Brazil, nobody does a trip to Brazil like we do. And that's because like all of our trips, the people on the team, whether it's Rashid, whether it's Emily, they've been to these places and they've spent an extensive time in these places. They've studied the place. They've read about the place. They've been there. And so all of our trips, we actually do 80% of the itinerary before it's even offered. So we have a huge investment to make sure that all the trips are really dope, that we actually love the experience and we experience it and make it better. So that process is super fun. And so like for me, like the new trips that we're curating, that I'll be curating now for like 2020 is I'm going to be renting an island. So this is going to come out in one of the news. Level up. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be announced in the newspaper article that's coming out. So I'm sharing it with y'all now, but. Exclusive. Yeah, exclusive. I'm renting an island in 2020 and it's going down. We're going to have an island rental and we're going to do some amazing stuff. And uh, wow. yeah, I mean, that's probably my highlight right now. Outside of all the other new trips that we're offering, that's like the next big thing. <laughs> that's what's up, Claire. I mean, seriously. So when you sit down 
with yourself and you think about everything and your this journey that you've mm-hmm. been on, mm-hmm. who is Claire now versus who Claire was then? <laughs> so it's funny. I think my hair kind of gives you a teaser at what's <laughs> changed. So I have these faux dreads right now, but that really describes like my, my life in Mexico. While I was up late last night, I don't work as hard as I used to work because I've been able to hire people and I've been able to think more. I like to think slow. I swim almost every day on my rooftop and that's a form of therapy. I swim with my girlfriends here. There's a whole black community here. So I give my other black girls and we swim for at least 90 minutes. And in that time, we're very intentional. We're in that moment. You can't be on your cell phone. We listen to old school music, Gap Band, Maze, and just really chill and talk and admire the sunset. And so who I am today, my friends actually came down to visit me for my birthday in June after I've been here for a little over a month. And they said to me, this is the most relaxed I've ever seen you in your life. And so now Claire is working on retirement (laughs) to really retirement from the form where I'm growing my business and I am putting myself in a position that I could really focus on things that I really want to do. Like a couple of my projects for I want to teach people how to sail. So I'll be partnering with another black woman who's a sailor. I want to leave my legacy, but teach a lot of people how to sell. And I also want to do women healthness and wellness retreats and entrepreneurial retreats to help other people get to where I am. So before I used to define myself by my job and where I live and things like that. And now I define myself that I love life and I actually enjoy it. So I'm here at Mexico, my best friend, and I'm an auntie and I see my nephew like every week. I go swimming almost every day. And there's some days that I have to work really hard, but there's a lot of days that I go to islands and I'm on a boat or I'm on a little buggy (laughs) and I'm just walking around with the beer because we can. And I'm going to like a local spot to pick up corn tortillas or tacos for like 50 cents. And so my life is a lot more simple now. And, you know, the realization that I've come to right now is all I need is my apartment paid for here. And it changes my life because I can really make decisions based on what I want to do versus feeling pressured to do what I have to do because I need to keep an apartment. You know, like in the States, you got to constantly work to pay the mortgage to do this. And here it's a lot slower. Sometimes you may just chill, you know, and it's, I appreciate life. I appreciate my family. It's been a hard move because, you know, I feel like it's a small rift between my parents where I don't really feel like they're supporting me as much as I'd like them to, but it's a process that, you know, I know we'll get past and I'm looking forward to them coming down to see me at some point soon. (laughs) It's still to them unknown. Mm-hmm. So like we talk about that a lot mm-hmm. too, is a lot of people get, I would say, backlash mm-hmm. from most of the time relatives, especially like when I said I was mm-hmm. moving to Vietnam, it was just like, what? Oh my gosh, you're going to die over there. And I'm just like, um, <laughs> hello, the Vietnam War is over. That's, I mean, because in the States, a lot of times the only thing they know about a country mm-hmm. is true. what they've heard or learned from like the media. So, you know, you say Colombia, you think automatically Pablo Escobar and the biggest like drug cartel. (laughs) You think of Mexico. You think first thing you think about is like immigrants running towards like Texas border. You know what I mean? It's like they don't 
understand. <laughs> and this is why this all exists, because what you're doing and, and what we're doing is retelling those narratives mm-hmm. and really shining light to like, hey, guys, it's really OK. It's going to be OK. And just come out and just live the best life. Absolutely. Possible. Yeah. We live in this good life out here. You know, my friend posts a funny picture of us in the water on an island saying, man, we're out here today dodging cartels. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you know. Because the funny thing is, like, living in Mexico, so here's what's funny. I lived in Northern Virginia right next to D.C. for years, my whole life. Nobody ever would send me articles saying, like, hey, about the crime. Like, yo, somebody just kicked down these doors next to you. Yo, somebody's killing people. They got the sniper. Like, no one sent me articles. You live in, like, Mexico. I live in Playa del Carmen. The fact that you live in Mexico, any Mexico article, and keep keep in mind, Mexico's a whole country. Mexico articles, they basically say, like, they'll send me articles. Oh, my God, like something happened in Cancun. That's like an hour away from me. And they'll send me articles about a singular incident, like, be safe. And I'm like, really? I actually told my friends that live here, I kind of want to start sending them articles about all their uh, crime and be like, y'all need to be safe out here. (laughs) Watch out. No, That's legit. so funny. So you was in Northern Virginia. For, I lived in Fairfax for seven yeah, years. Yeah, my house is in Fairfax, but I still own a home in Fairfax. So definitely for those out there that are looking to quit their job, if you keep your real estate in the U.S. because that's a good cash flow income. When it's paid off. You say that all the time. Girl, you can say that over and over again. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time. If you own a house, you, what are you got doing? an advantage. <laughs> you got an advantage more than most people. Because they're like, well, what am I going to do to make money? I'm like, that you're is, sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's a great if you income. can Airbnb it, you're really on a gold mine. <laughs> Seriously, that's a great way to let people know, like if you own any kind of property, you can definitely try to rent it out, Airbnb or sublet or whatever it is to get some Mm -hmm. kind of passive income. Mm -hmm. And that's a way that can fund your travels as well. Because I think the many questions that we get is, well, what am I going to do for money abroad? Or, you know, um, how am I going to live? And it's just like, what do you mean? How are you going to live? <laughs> You'll be okay. Because I tell people all the time, for the amount of money you pay for mortgage in Virginia, you can probably live in Mexico for three months on one month rent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the longer you stay in the States, the more money you're blowing in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. So well, I tell I'm people, you know, down the toilet. It's I crazy. Know. well, the transition doesn't have to be like absolute. I tell people like it could be gradual. So I tell people like if you get laid off or if you could take a sabbatical from your job, that's a perfect time to experience living abroad without fully committing. Correct. I tell people so. I'm trying to get your feet mm-hmm. wet. So if you Mm -hmm. could offer one piece of advice, which you just gave some, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for those traveling for the first time, either as a part of Uh a group or solo, what would it be? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight Check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, man, so my advice would be go with the flow and understand up front that when you travel, especially abroad, please don't expect everything to be like the U.S. So, for instance, when you travel abroad, everywhere doesn't accept credit cards. Come with cash. Order cash in advance or get it from the ATM. Also understand when you dine, all your food won't come out. And waiters may not greet you for 10, 15 minutes. And it may take a long time to get your food because guess what? It's probably not processed. It probably was killed that morning or last night. So it's a lot fresher. It takes a little bit longer to cook it. And just be open to getting lost. It's okay. Don't be super intense. Relax. Enjoy. Being abroad is a lot different. I think in the U.S. we want everything to be microwaved. You go abroad, they cook real yeah. food. <laughs> a lot of places don't have, like in Playa del Carmen, they do have McDonald's and Burger King, but not really like in the tourist area. In the tourist area where I, and in the residential area, it's regular places. We go sit down and they make tacos or they make rice or they make soup and they make all type of green juices, digestive juices that are good for you. They serve you fresh fruit. And so really take a second before you go or while you're on the plane to read about the area, learn more and connect with the culture. You know, there's a lot of people now like saying about this whole like authentic travel and this and that and you know, the one thing that annoys me is people feel like you can't, if you like luxury, you can't stay at the St. Regis and have an authentic trip. That's not true. You still can connect with people, read about them, go to the local neighborhood, go sit down at a local spot. You can tell a local spot, all the locals there, it's crowded. Yeah. That's where you want to <laughs> eat. So just being open, <laughs> being open and going with the flow and breathing. So that's my advice. Yeah. Well, that's it's funny advice. that she talked about food, right? Because <laughs> in Thailand... Girl, we'll have guests and we'll be at a restaurant and they'll bring out, let's say, our guest meal. And they're just sitting there and we're looking at them like, don't wait for us. Because like, if you wait for us, <laughs> your food going to be stone cold. Go ahead and eat because <laughs> they're going to bring out one mm-hmm. meal at a time. Exactly. You know, and it, but you kind of learn patience, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of patience. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Back in the States. I was so like, you know, what's that antsy? Like, yeah, why is that? My way. You know, my exactly. Way. I want it now. Exactly. And then it's that personal space, right? <laughs> why is that person standing so close? Or why is that person doing whatever? But when you're abroad, man, listen. All that stuff goes out the window. All that stuff goes out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just take a deep breath and it's not that serious and it's going to be okay. And you realize how much more relaxed you are. Yeah. See, what you're talking about, you're triggered. We're suffering from PTSD in the States in many different forms, whether it's corporate, whether it's just, you know, you live in New York or you live in the city. You don't want people too close. You always think someone's trying to get you. And when you're abroad, I would say, generally speaking, like they're not trying to get you. Nine (laughs) times out of ten, as a black American, they're intrigued. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I'm take you out. <laughs> I've never Your seen skin is so like beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the hair, the <laughs> skin, you know, whatever it is, most times they're just intrigued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just curiosity. Mm-hmm. So, but that was great advice. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So we know you have 30 new trips coming up for 2020. 30. We know you are working on retiring, <laughs> but at the same time, motivating, empowering. I mean, you just got a lot going on, which is amazing and beautiful, mm-hmm. all in, wrapped into one. So with that said, we just want to mm-hmm. say thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you for welcome. taking the time out. Thank mm-hmm. you for talking to our viewers. And 
Tell our viewers where they can find us. So you can find us online at www.upinyourlife.com. We also have an amazing events team around the United States that host events. So if you go to our website and click events, Brandy Cobb runs that. You can see all the events that we're doing. We've got monthly events and some larger scale events. And then you also can follow us on Instagram at upinyourlife.com altogether, as well as Facebook. And when you get to the website, click join to join the group. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank Thank you, Claire. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world.